sometimes as trainers, I think we have to find those little light bulb moments for dogs that we put them in a state of mind where they just forget about their fear. They forget about their hesitation. They, they're overcome with some type of positive energy and they don't even realize what they're doing. Welcome back, guys. Another podcast here. Um, I am going to jump right into it. And the reason I am going to jump right into it is because uh, I have been struggling to get uh, podcasts recorded. My wife and our little one are on their way home right now. So I've got a few minutes that I'm going to try to get one in here. Uh, Deer season is a challenging time. Uh, A lot of you are probably uh, in the middle of your deer season. I hope you are. Um, It just gets tough schedule wise. So Everyone is dealing with that, so I'm not going to play a real sob story for you, but um, I've got a lot of ideas of podcasts that I want to be doing. Um, had a great phone conversation today with actually a litter mate of Makina's, um, and we talked about um, something that's been on my mind, and that's recapping the season um, so far with her. Season's not necessarily over with, but I would say the first part of the season is. Um, we had a great conversation. I have some of it recorded I uh, want to talk to him about it, make sure he's cool with it, but I'd love to share it. Um, I think it's valuable. We'll see if that when if that happens, when it happens. Um, for this podcast episode, we're just going to jump into it because I am terribly behind on um, question and answer stuff through social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook um, in particular. Ben has been trying to help me out with some of the YouTube stuff, uh, emails, I do my best to get back as quickly as possible. I'm way behind and I, I don't know that I will ever catch up. Um, and I apologize for that, but it's Ben and I talked about it in the deer stand here this last week. Like it's just not physically possible to do it. I showed him some of the lists of um, the questions that I get. And he said, I can't, you can't do it. You can't try to keep up with it. So it's not that I don't want to, I definitely want to, but there's just, there's just not enough time to do it. And so I apologize for that. Um, ben is trying to talk me into figuring out a way of doing something where I can respond. Um, it's like, I just am hesitant to do it. it. It's this idea of like a premium type access thing where I, I can sort and sift it out. And I don't know if I want to do it yet or not. But anyway, that's a different story. I'm going to jump into it. This is coming from Instagram. Um, I'm going to do as many of these as I can. So I'm not going to I'm not going to linger. I'm going to just try to get right to the point, which is (laughs) challenging for me. So, okay, it says, hey, longtime listener of the podcast and a YouTube follower. I'm not sure if this is monitored by Jeremy or not, but I had a question. I'm training my first duck dog and was wondering about cross-training to track blood. Will that hinder my puppy's training? He's a six-month-old, currently working on hold conditioning. My plan is to run him in hunt tests next season, but my primary goal is to find a partner in the duck blind. Would teaching him to track blood take away from being an exceptional hunt test competitor and duck dog? Thank you for all you do, your videos. It's been a staple of my training. I've been watching and listening since King before I actually got my pup. Okay. Uh, This has been covered before. I'm not sure exactly where. I know we've talked about it in the past. I think the more you hunt with dogs, the better they become as hunters. And so it's a lot like... uh, the analogy of an athlete with kids. I don't believe in specializing with kids unless you have a very rare situation. Um, I think kids become 
not very few of them are going to be professional athletes. That is the rare situation. So I think developing people to become athletes is more valuable than developing a kid to become a baseball player uh, that may get through the varsity level at high school. Like I just don't think it's. I think it's better for their life if they become better athletes. I think it's better for them to play lots of sports. It it improves coordination it improves specific skill sets it improves the understanding of like what makes life go round as far as team dynamics and overcoming adverse situations and hardships and struggles and enjoying successes like there's all these good things that come from playing lots of different sports and i think it's more beneficial to the person i think the same is true with dogs and it's more specific to the skill sets i would say tracking dogs need to use their nose and locate game Duck dogs need to use their nose and find runners and cripples. Upland dogs have to find cripples and runners. Uh, hunt test competitors, I think they need to use their nose. I'm not going to get into that tangle of weeds, but um, sometimes I think those field trials take away from some of the natural hunting um, skill sets of dogs because they we're trying to become a little bit robot, robotic with them. I think sometimes those tests... And I'm not going to get into the specifics of hunt tests versus trials versus field trials versus AKC versus UKC and all that stuff because I'm not quite uh, I'm not the person to speak on that. But I think what a lot of times those do is they test us as trainers more than they do the dog's abilities. And if you are a hunting dog, I don't know that we have a lot to do with it. Um, and sometimes the best handlers stay out of the way of the dog are there when they need it, but they stay out of the way when it comes to the dog's actual hunt. So my answer is very simple. No, I don't think it will take away from it. I think it will enhance it, and I would encourage it. I do the, as much stuff as I can with my dogs. I think it also adds a lot of value to your relationship with your dog. So there, there's an example where hunt tests, field trials, those kinds of things, I think are very much a plus for you because it allows you to do things with dogs in seasons that don't otherwise allow you to do those things. I have a very strong interest right now in grouse trials with Makina. Um, it's not because I want to bring a bunch of ribbons home. I think that would be great. But it's it's so it's not for the competitive ego part of it. It's instead because for me personally, I think that the wild bird part of it is really intriguing. I think the history behind it is very intriguing. I think that it doesn't necessarily take away from the dog's um, hunting abilities. In fact, I think it, it requires them to be quite good at it. Um, what it really gains me is an opportunity to really have purpose with my dog in the spring for those field trials more so like I don't know that I, I ran one this fall I haven't even talked about that that's another podcast topic but I ran Makina in a field trial in October a grouse cover dog trial uh, as a derby dog and I had a great time and we'll talk about that later but I won't spend much of my fall running in those because it gets in the way of hunting I will spend the spring I think because that's really something that's interesting to me that time of year so uh that that is my answer. I'm going to send you an email um, and let you know. Let's see this one. Now I'm reading, literally reading them for the first time here. So, hey, big fan of your videos. We're getting a fox red lab puppy about 10 weeks this weekend. We live in a condo complex but have ample space for her to go out to the bathroom. Question is, is it okay for her off to be off leash when we let her out to the bathroom? Will she jolt? We also just downloaded your puppy video from your site. Thanks. Uh, Jordan, I appreciate that. 
um, I'll send you a message and let you know. I would prefer you to not put her on a leash. And so the reason I say that is because I think we, we use the, some of these leads and long leads, especially with young dogs as crutches, and we don't develop any trust and confidence in the dog off the lead. I would prefer, the dog's not going to run away from you. You're not at 10 weeks old. Um, probably within two weeks, you might be able to. I don't, know, I don't know your athletic ability, and I don't know how necessarily big and quick the dog is going to be developing. But I would prefer for the dog to understand that the basis, the, the, the starting ground, the ground zero is with me off lead. Because it's easy for me to put a lead on when I need to, if I need to. Most of the time, I think you can accomplish a lot of things off lead that allow you to not necessarily have to go onto the lead so quickly. Now, I think there's certain scenarios, if you're taking the dog for a walk down the street, yeah, you want to put it on the lead. If you've got an area that's safe, relatively safe, doesn't have a lot of uh, opportunity for you to lose the dog or have the dog put itself in harm's way, I would 100% recommend off lead as long as you can um, forever if possible, but there probably comes a point where the dog tests you a little bit. Um, I would be working on, read. you watch that puppy video, Jordan, I would also get the foundation video right away. I think the foundation video is a stepping stone right after the puppy video. The puppy video is showing you things, a lot of things in the house. The foundation video is gonna show you the stuff that comes next, which is the yard work type stuff. And what I think you want to do is start working on understanding the bigger picture so that you can start to set the table for that as opposed to study and focus on this video, which carry, covers some things in the house and then go, oh man, I wish I would have done this several weeks ago to help this become easier. All of our training stuff is so intertwined. And so if you can start developing it um, with an understanding of having what the big picture is going to look like, it's way easier to set yourself up for success. It's where I've run into issues with Makina, the, the setter dog that I'm training right now. So I have had issues that come up when I look at it and I go, I'm not sure what the next step looks like. So it, a lot, it forces me to become very sticky, nervous to take the next step, um, hesitant because I'm not sure... like. It's if you if I gave you a puzzle to put together and I didn't show you a picture of what it's supposed to look like, it's a lot harder to put the puzzle together. If I give you the cover of the puzzle box to look at and then I give you the pile of pieces, it's so much easier because you know what the finished product is supposed to look like. It's a lot easier to put those pieces together. So I think a dog is the same way. So I think if this is maybe your first dog or early on in dogs because you're asking some of these questions about little puppy stuff, which maybe this is uh, kind of new territory for you, which is what that setter was for me, new territory. I don't know how to train a dog. I'm not, I have no issues with her foundationally. Like I can get her to recall. I can get her to sit and stay and do all the things that my other retrievers do. But when I went into the field, that's where I felt um, really clumsy and awkward. And it's because I didn't know what the, puzzle looked like. I didn't know what the next steps were. I didn't feel comfortable with the introduction to the to the bird launchers. So I fumbled through it a little bit, but I also went in and I, so I didn't I didn't not do stuff cuz that won't help you either. But I went and I found resources and I went and watched other people do it and I studied other people do it and I've really turned that project into a uh, a study and then try. And so that's exactly what you're doing with this message Jordan. So you, there's the quick answer to that one. I got to keep moving. Uh, let's see. This is just a picture someone sent me. Uh, this is someone laughing at my story of Ben sleeping in the blind last week. Um, let's see here. 
How is uh, this one for a beginner? Well, this one is uh, not a question. I'm going to have to respond to this guy. He's got success. I, I also like seeing some of these success videos that people are sharing with us, so I appreciate that. Um, here we go. I have a two-year-old female lab. She's pretty timid and soft, but she's absolutely against getting in the water that goes past her chest. Any suggestions? I had someone either message me or call me about this not too long ago about the water. So I... When I, I don't know where you live, Will, I'll send you a message. Um, I don't introduce puppies to cold water. Um, I don't know how, you have a two-year-old female lab, so she's not a puppy. Um, I'm going in the water with her. I'm bringing other dogs with me um, that aren't going to be necessarily super aggressive and try drowning her. But another dog can build confidence for a dog to go into the water. But like I said, I'm going in with her. So I want to find shallow, warm water. If she doesn't like to get in, at least you can get her into her chest. So that's good. So now take her in some water that's gradual and you can get her up to that point where she's got the water to her chest. And then take a step back and find out something that she really loves. Does she love a tennis ball? Does she love a squeaky toy? Does she love her dummies? Does she love a, a frozen duck? What does she love? And get her to get to the point where she goes beyond and get something really good for it. And then start doing that repetitively like I'll go swimming a lot of times with my dogs so my dogs love to be with me they love it when I call them they love it when I pet them and I get them excited and even Makina the little setter isn't the mo she's not a lab by any means she does not love the water the way my dogs do but when I go swimming and I go out deep she can't help herself she's got to come in so she'll swim to me so I I get in there and I I coax her into the idea and my idea with the whole thing is develop a comfort level so that she doesn't have to she, she doesn't not that she has to think about it, so she doesn't even think about it. So it becomes so second nature to her that it just she forgot to worry about it, and she just does it. So I was talking with a guy today. This is a rabbit hole, but I was talking with a guy today about a, a one-year-old pointer that he wants to get to retrieve. And we went through all sorts of different scenarios of he wanted to know if hold conditioning would help. I told him, I don't know that hold conditioning fixes a dog that doesn't want to pick something up in the first place. you got to have something to shape in order to shape it. So we went through a lot of different scenarios. But what I said was, what you really want to do is figure out, and, and we ended up with the idea of maybe it's just not time for that dog to retrieve. Uh, you, you focus on other stuff. Take your focus off of this this challenge of the retrieve and it might just help it fix itself i said we talked about you know you're going to hunt the dog this year and you're not worried about the dog being steady at a year old and he said no not at all and he said well i won't worry about the retrieving part either because you can worry about that later but what's going to happen is is when you shoot a bird over it and the bird falls on the ground that energy and the excitement to that might be just be so much that the dog picks the bird up on accident i don't know if that will happen or not but it might and if it does that's a, an opportunity for you to say, really good job, pet the dog up, love the dog up, and have the dog go, man, I didn't even think about it. It just, it just happened where I picked the bird up. And so the, you need to, sometimes as trainers, I think we have to find those things, those little light bulb moments for dogs that we put them in a state of mind where they just forget about their fear, they forget about their hesitation, they, they're overcome with some type of positive energy and they don't even realize what they're doing. So with this dog, I, I, I think you there is no simple black and white, uh, do this, this, and this, and that will fix your problem. I think you need to be creative with it, but I think you have to recognize the big issues are we're not going to force a dog to do something it doesn't want to do. Like I, I have a dog that hesitates to go up and down the stairs. Uh, Makina has a, has a hard time going up and down the stairs. So 
it, especially the kinds that I can see through, like the steps that go, you can kind of see through the steps. She doesn't like them. And so I, the patient way to do it is wait it out, wait it out, encourage her. And I can put a little pressure to her neck with a lead and I can usually get her to come up the stairs. But one of the things that I've done is she's done that a couple times and that wasn't the fix. That wasn't enough for her to freely go up and down those stairs. We have this situation at our, at our deer camp. We've got this see-through set of stairs and she doesn't like to use them to go up and down. So one of the things that I did with her was I said, okay, well, I'll let you do it on your own. So what I've done is I've carried her and picked her up. And now I don't want her to freak. She doesn't panic or freak out because in the old days, I used to carry her up and down the stairs because I wasn't knew she wasn't going to go up and down them. So she's okay with me holding her and carrying her up the stairs. She's comfortable with it. She's relaxed. So now what I do is instead of getting her all the way up and down the stairs like I used to do it, I stop before I get to the top or the bottom and I set her down on the stairs. And she looks at me like, you son of a bitch. You lock, you've got me stuck here. She's four feet nailed to the ground at that point and she can't move and then she starts to physically relax a little bit and I'll come over to her and pet her a little bit and I'll walk past her and I don't make a big deal out of it but I try to get her to be comfortable and settle in a bit and I don't put her in the middle of the flight of stairs which means she's got to climb six or seven stairs up or down I might put her like one or two steps away from the top or one or two steps away from the bottom Going down seems to be easier for her than going up because she can't see through the stairs. When she's going up, she sees through them. So I broke down this whole stair scenario and I went, well, I'm going to take her. I'm going to carry you about three steps from the floor and I'm going to face you down and then I'm going to leave you and I'll let you come down when you're comfortable. And she stood there for about 10 minutes one night just looking at me, waiting for me to come get her, I think. And I didn't. And so finally she reached out slowly with one foot and put it on the step below and she realized it wasn't so bad. And then another one. And then she jumped because she said, well, I'm only three steps away. I, she took one step down the steps and jumped. So what do I do next time? Go four. So she's got to go two steps before she feels like she has to jump. And pretty soon she gets to the point where she realizes going up and down these stairs, down these stairs anyway, isn't so bad. So I might have to flip that around and do the same technique to get her to go upstairs. But that's a real unconventional way. I just... Finally, I decided I'm not going to force you to do it. I'll let you figure it out on your own. So swimming, I think, can be addressed kind of that same way. So Will, I'll send you a message. Let's see. I'm going to do one more here because I think the girls are going to be here soon. He says, hello, I have an almost one-year-old pointer mix, and I'm looking to try to start fresh with him and get him well-rounded and mannered. I just ordered the foundation video, but I'm wondering, after watching some of it, if you think it would be beneficial to get the puppy video to start with the first things, even though he's a little older. Andy, here's the thing. Great question. Uh, ties in really nicely, actually, with our conversation here earlier about some of that puppy video stuff. And I had a really good, uh, we did a TikTok video that got a million views out of our puppy. We've had a couple of them that have done a couple million views. And so it's, I don't know, TikTok is interesting to me, but um, it was out of a puppy video. And so I just posted it on our Instagram. So timing wise is... It, it, this all kind of ties together here. But Andy, the, the answer to your question is, I think that the puppy video is good for what the puppy video covers, which is really basic stuff. It's the starting point. It's, it, it's all about the, building the foundation. So without a foundation, buildings fall down. Without a foundation, dogs collapse. Like you can't, you can't, you can't build stuff without something solid underneath it. And so the foundation, which I think is pretty basic stuff, he'll sit, stay, come when I call you, those are, that covers a lot. You can do that with your dog, you can do just about anything. But you gotta be able to do all of that and you gotta do it all real well. So 
I look at that foundation, that puppy video precedes the foundation video. The foundation video precedes our shed training video. It precedes all of our series on YouTube, which is whether we're training dogs to track, whether we're training them for gun dog work, upland work, what any of them. The found if you watch uh, making the machine, which is our our setter video, uh, for the first. 40 videos. I don't know how many of he's posted so far. Maybe he hasn't posted that many yet. Um, it, that one's going to be a lot. That one's going to be over 100 videos by the time we're done. Bella Be Good was 180 or 150, something like that. Live with Spry was 150 some. They, Callie was 60, 70 videos. There's all these series out there that we have on our YouTube channel under our playlist. So if you look at any of them in the beginning, I guarantee you for the first 25% of the total volume of videos, I bet you I spend the majority of time talking about foundation stuff. So, the, yes, I think it makes sense to have the information in the, the context that is covered within the puppy to better understand how to do the foundation stuff. In the, when I say foundation stuff, I mean the foundation video. Literally, one of them is called foundation, one of them is called puppy. Now, what I think the bigger, the bigger answer to this question is, is this. Don't ever predicate answers on sequence of training with your dog based on age because it doesn't matter if the dog's one year old two years old ten years old the place you the place to start with any of these dogs is the beginning that could go 10 weeks 10 months 10 years you always start in the beginning because even if the dog is a year old but it doesn't have the stuff that it needs to do like if you look at some of our stuff and I go, well, at about a year old, I'm doing this with this dog. It's maybe within a few months of most dogs. Like we're all, you know, within 12 months, my dogs, you know, some dogs are doing it as young as 10 months. Let's talk a specific skill. They might be doing it as young as 10 months. They might be doing it around 12 months on average. They might be waiting out till 14, 15 months before I get to that. It just kind of depends on the dog. But if you look at that, the, the number doesn't really matter. The age part doesn't matter. What, in order to achieve whatever it is we're talking about, we have to have a certain amount of things in place, meaning skills. Like they have to understand certain things so that we can start to layer on top of it. And so whether it be distance or distractions or certain things that we put into the equation that make it more challenging, you can't do them if you do, can't do them in the simplest of conditions or situations. So it, it all has to start at the very, very basic stuff. And so that's regardless of age. So Andy, I think the answer is yes, I would definitely say the puppy video. And then I'd use that because there might be stuff missing. And so I always make analogies about chains. Like you can have a hundred foot chain. If you're missing a link in the first 25% of the chain, the, the, you, and you connect the beginning of the chain and the end of the chain and you pull on it, you'll get zero results because you have links missing. It doesn't matter if the links are missing in the beginning or the end, the chain doesn't work. So you gotta have all the pieces. It, uh, I can go back to a puzzle analogy here. I mean, I'm really hitting on the puzzles a lot. Uh, if you're missing pieces of the puzzle, you can't ever complete it. So if you're missing certain pieces, it might hold you up from starting the puzzle. If you're missing certain pieces, it may hold you up from being able to complete the puzzle. But either way, without them, you, you're incomplete. And incomplete training is not training. So um, that question was from 
Andy, I think, is who it was. So, Andy, I'll send you a message. Um, that's it, guys. I appreciate your patience with us. Um, Ben's been busting me to get a podcast recorded. Um, I'm working. I'm working on on on. It's just the schedule is just tough right now, and, and we're into mid-November here. Uh, Michigan opened up gun season here a day or two ago, and we are opening up this coming weekend. And so, um, best of luck to everybody. Um, you, you know, there's we, I can't thank you guys enough for sending the videos and the success stories of you with your tracking dogs. I can't. Um, you're doing a service that you know is is really hard to to put a, a measure of value on because as hunters i really believe we owe everything we have to the animals to recover them um and so thank you for doing that thank you for the for sharing your success with us to those who are in the uplands you're you're um i'm with you in spirit uh i'm a deer hunter though and so i do i have to take I have to find that peace in the deer woods. Um, ben and I spent a week bow hunting last week, had a great time. Um, and so whatever it is you're hunting, if you're, duck, if you're a duck guy and you, I've got, I'm hoping to get a few duck shoots in yet this year, um, had a few this season that were just, man, it's just, it, it, but when I think about all this hunting stuff, I'm reminded of the dogs because if it weren't for the dogs, I don't know that I'd do much of it. Deer probably, but because I did the the deer thing before the dogs. But my deer hunting is better for me now because of involvement of dogs, whether it be shed hunting or tracking. Um, I love upland hunting, but if I didn't have a dog, I wouldn't go. I love to duck hunt. If I didn't have a dog, I wouldn't go. So I just, um, you know, whatever it is you guys are into, enjoy it. These... These last couple months flew by, and they're going to fly by here, and we're going to be into the dead of winter pretty quick and ice fishing and, and dreaming about next September pretty soon. So um, enjoy it. Make lots of memories. Have fun. Uh, be safe. And thank you again for your support.